Snappers, we are so proud because today we're going to present a story adapted from the podcast Reckonings. And while this is a tough story, it's amazing in so many ways. It's a story we believe needs to be heard. Sensitive listeners, please note, this story does contain disturbing and sexually explicit material. Hear me when I say, this is not a story for young listeners. And given the story's sensitive nature, we're not going to use real names. The first time Anwen met Samir was during her freshman year of college at a party. A party called the end of the world party or something like that. He was wearing, I think like a gray shirt. I think he was wearing like a black tie too. He was kind of dressed up. Uh, Very tall and pretty like broad too. Truthfully, it was her eyes. Anwen has these fantastic uh, pair of eyes. And just a very friendly smile. I think we got introduced and then he said, hey, do you want to dance? And I said, well, sure, as long as it's not that like bumping, grinding type of dancing. Like I swing dance. Um, And so he's like, "Okay, I know a little bit of swing dance. By a little bit, I mean like little to no swing. But I was willing to learn if I could talk to this girl on one. Samir found me on Facebook, like, I don't know, a week or two after that party, um, and messaged me and was like, hey, do you want to hang out? I wasn't really sure if I wanted to hang out with this person or not, um, but I didn't know that I didn't want to. So we went out and tried to go bowling, um, and there weren't any lanes open, and so then we went and just got ice cream at a store and sat and chatted. I didn't let him pay for my ice cream because I didn't want it to be a date. So I paid for my own ice cream. We were walking back um, and it was right in front of my dorm. And he was like, well, that was nice. And we hugged goodbye. And then like, as things work, like you hug someone and then you're like coming out of the hug. There's a point when your faces are pretty close. Um, And I think he kissed me then. After that date, I was, like, really into her. And so I would text her a lot and try to hang out with her and just not get responded. Basically, I was ghosted, which is the millennial term for having somebody stop responding to your text messages. Um, And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. She's not interested. Anwen's not interested. That's, That's it. That's over. But this was a very small college campus. Anwen couldn't ghost Samir forever. So the next semester, when Samir's fraternity threw a big party. I think we ran into each other going opposite directions, coming to the stairs. And I think I said something about how, like, I was sorry that I had stopped talking to him suddenly. And I was like, oh, it's fine. Like, you aren't ready for a relationship. Uh, I get it. It's cool. And then at some point later that night, I saw her dancing on the dance floor and um, I went up and I started dancing with her. And I mean, she started dancing back. So we were dancing and like facing each other, like doing the like kind of awkward, like prom groove thing. And 
I think at some point we flipped around to where my back was against the wall. And I think that's when he kissed me at some point. I, I did kind of say like, okay, I, I want to go. I was like, I don't see my friends. I want to go. So he's like, okay. And I think walked me upstairs to get my coat. At which point <laughs> we discovered that the room was locked and all of my friends had left. Anwen and her friends had put their stuff in one of the fraternity brothers' rooms. Everyone else had all gotten their stuff and left, but somehow that room was now locked, and the guy who lived there was nowhere to be found. So Anwen couldn't get her keys or her phone or anything. Then... I saw a couple guys who I knew were from my dorm. They weren't on my same floor, but I could at least get into the building. And so I said, like, hey, I'm just going to follow those guys home. And at that point, Samir said, you can't just leave after kissing me like that. I know that I was like, I don't want to be in a relationship with you. I don't want to really be with you. But I was probably also trying to be nice and was like, but you're a great guy. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Then he offered that I could spend the night in his room. I didn't want to spend the night in his room. And I didn't want to keep making out with him. But I didn't know where else to go. I had no condoms anymore because my jacket was also in that brother's room. So I was like, well, we're not going to have sex, but... um, I still would like to take her back home with me. It was like I had fog in my head. Like I couldn't figure out how to get out of the situation. Please be warned. The next few minutes of this story are disturbing and contain sexually explicit material. We got to his dorm room and like as soon as we were inside, he pushed me against the inside of the door and started kissing me. We ended up in his bed. He kept kissing me. I was underneath him. He started to like put his hand at my crotch and like rubbed me hard. And I was uncomfortable and didn't know what to do. And he was on top of me and I was just panicking. He said, oh, fuck, it would feel so good to fuck you. Um, And I said, I don't want to have sex. And he laughed. And his response was, I know I don't have a condom anyway. And went back to kissing me. We maneuvered around. I was sitting up. And he said, take it off. And I said, what? He says, my, like, your shirt. I, like, started to pull up my shirt. And as soon as he put his hand on my breast, like it was just absolute revulsion in my body. And I said, no. And I pulled my shirt back down. Um, And I like curled up on his bed. And I know that I was at that point, like holding back tears. There was two beds and I was like, I would love to sleep in his roommate's bed. But his roommate took like all the comforters and pillows. And at some point, he 
he like reached down, took my hand and put my hand over his cock. He still had his pants on, but like he put my hand there and like started moving my hand. And then he like took my hand away, pulled down his pants, put my hand back on him and said, he doesn't bite. And said something like, wow, you really, you haven't done this before. Um, And I just curled up against him on the bed between him and the wall. He was huge compared to me. And then he said, your mouth would feel even better. He like moved me and had his hand on the back of my head and started pushing my head down um, on him just like down and down and down. I can remember feeling like I was gagging, like I was choking. This was both something I'd never experienced before and didn't want to be experiencing. I started crying and he finally let me up and he said, it's okay, I'm hard to please, let me just go finish up. He went to the bathroom and I can remember lying in his bed, just like curled up thinking, I didn't want to please you. He, he came back into the room and he got back on the bed and like he put his arm over me. He pulled the covers up and he like laid like holding me. I remember looking across the room to the other bed and just wishing I could be on that bed instead. But I, I didn't feel like I could move, and I, eventually I fell asleep. I woke up the next morning. He gave me a sweatshirt to wear. I put on a sweatshirt, and I said, it's so big. And he laughed, and he said, I'm big on you. He walked me to my dorm, and for a couple days after that, I just was like in a blur. Um, I felt really disgusted. I felt dirty. I like hurt between my legs, and I didn't know what to do. What did you think it was? So at that point was my point of like, this wasn't rape because we didn't have sex. We didn't have like penis penetrates vagina sex. So it wasn't rape. It couldn't be rape. I remember having a conversation with my friends in the bathroom being like, I think I have to start dating him, don't I? And being really confused. So the next time Samir texted Anwin, she responded. She told him she was studying in a classroom. He showed up soon after and kissed her. I didn't know how to get out of it. I remember at one point he said, you like that, don't you? And I don't think I ever responded to that. And so... Well, she had stopped responding to my text messages and didn't talk to him anymore. So I was like, okay, well, maybe that this is just a instance of like a really awkward hookup that did not pan out. You know, sometimes when you hook up with somebody, you, you become really awkward around them afterwards. And it doesn't always come out like it does in the movies or in the porn for that matter. I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to like have to think about him because whenever I saw him, it just brought all of this back up and this like icky, panicky tightness in my stomach. I started figuring out 
like what times of day on certain days he walked certain places and I wouldn't walk there. I check before I walk into the college coffee shop to see if he's there. If he's there, I don't go in. If I see Samir, I turn the other way and go a different direction. I, uh, my sophomore year, was training to be an orientation leader um, to orient new students and transfer students to the university. And so one of the trainings that were involved was Green Dot. So the Green Dot Bystander Intervention is this program in a lot of schools that teaches students how to respond to sexual assault on campus. The prompter said that it's, it's, it's assaults when someone uses emotional manipulation to coerce somebody to like do sexual acts. Like sexual assault isn't just based on using physical violence. It's 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 also just putting somebody in a situation where they feel like they can't say no. That night, like that that night was the first thing that popped into my head. Wait, did I did I do this? Did this happen? Like if it ha- did happen, why, why, like, is that how Onwin feels about this? It's like, well, no, like, she would have reported something, but she hasn't. I was terrified that I assaulted her. I was terrified that I had hurt her in this way. I was terrified of myself. Because if this was true and I, and I did assault her, then what did that make me? I was terrified of being found out. I was terrified of being sent to jail. I was terrified of all the consequences that come with uh, that. Mm, uh, all the consequences that come with um, sexual assault and rape. I did not tell anybody um, about this incident. I kept it to myself, and I didn't have anybody that I was like who I could tell because, like, how how do I say hi? I think I. I think I assaulted and raped somebody. But I'm not entirely sure. I knew that I wanted to learn more because if this hour-long training taught me all this, then maybe I need to educate myself more. When we return, Alwyn decides that she is going to do something about that terrible night. Snap Judgment. When we left, Samir had just taken a training on how to respond to sexual assault on campus. It was the first time that he confronted what he did to Anwin. He felt terrified, ashamed, confused, Meanwhile, Anwen, she kept avoiding Samir. By junior year, Anwen finally talked about that night for the first time. First to her boyfriend, and then to her theater teacher. I guess I just, I I started thinking about it a lot more. And I didn't really know what to do with it. Then she became an orientation leader and took the same green dot training Samir had taken the year before. Oh my god. This wasn't just an awkward hookup. 
this wasn't right. This was, this was assault. It wasn't long before Anwen and Samir ended up at the same orientation training. They were off campus by the shore. He was on the pier and I was on the pier. And I think I kind of like had put myself in a corner, just kind of watching and like waiting for when he came, came by. Um, and when he walked by, I said his name. And I, I knew it was her, but I was terrified to turn around, but I did. And this is the first time she and I had spoken since freshman year. She asked if we could talk. And I said, yes, of course. And I said, I want to talk about that night. And he said something along the lines of like, let me make sure we're talking about the same thing. Like, let me make sure we're on the same page the night you came home with me. And I said, yes. And then I said, name that night. I, I stuttered and I told her that I, I, uh, I told her that I raped her. Whoa. Um, it was a powerful feeling to feel that I was not just crazy and that he also knew that it had been wrong. Yeah, I mean, I, I hated myself. I wanted to kill myself. I, I, I asked her, like, hey, like, do you want me to kill myself? Do you want me to, like, turn myself into the police? Like, what, what do you want? What, what can I do? What, what? I know I can't fix this, but what can I do? I know I can't fix this, but what can I do? And that's when she offered to uh, ask if we could talk more. And I said, okay. Anwen would send Samir a text, and they'd meet up on campus, somewhere public. They would try to piece together what happened that night and why. Samir would offer up apologies, and Anwen struggled to articulate what she needed. Their conversation was stuck. So by the middle of their junior year, Anwen went back to avoiding Samir. Then came Take Back the Night. That was one of the weirdest nights of of my college career. It was the beginning of their senior year, and they were both at a Take Back the Night march on campus. Anwen was there as a survivor. Samir was there to support his new girlfriend. She was also a survivor. When the march ended in an auditorium with an open mic, survivors were invited to come up and share their stories. It was, I mean, unrehearsed. I walked up to the mic and started speaking pretty much. And I kind of went through the story a little bit and more just like the motions afterwards, but I didn't say his name and he was sitting in the audience right in front of me. I was actually sitting about 10 feet away from her. I tried really hard to keep myself together. Um, I couldn't look her in the eye, but I felt like such a hypocrite. <laughs> I wanted to call him out. I really wanted to call him out. But I wanted him to be able to come forward on his own. I wanted him to be able to be standing up there with me and speaking the story with me and be able to have the story be exposed in a way that didn't just 
write us into the categories of like angelic, pure survivor, horrible, evil assaulter. And I think I actually said like, if this person comes forward and tells his story, I hope that you'll listen to him. Anwen walked off the stage. Samir never went up. And then I went to Frank. Frank was the director of student conduct at Anwen and Samir's university. So he is the guy you go to when a student is causing trouble, like cheating on exams or serving alcohol to minors, or committing sexual assault. His job is to sit the student down, have a conversation, find out how bad the problem really is, and then decide what to do about it. I didn't want a formal proceeding. I didn't want a verdict handed down. Um, I wanted it to be a discussion, and I wanted to decide with Samir what, what the results were going to be. So Frank asked Anwen what she needed to repair the harm Samir had caused her. He asked her to make a written statement about that night, a statement Frank would then give to Samir. It was scary to basically be putting all of this hurt out on the table. It was really important for me to, to have him know exactly what I felt and, and how big the impact was and how often the impact was. So I sat down and uh, I read her perspective and so many things. Oh my God. Um, so many moments of that night that I had completely forgotten. I, I did not remember emotionally manipulating her to coming back to, uh, to staying with me. I thought in my brain, I had asked her to take her shirt off. I didn't. I told her. I thought from my perspective, I was being a potential like teacher when it came to like oral sex. Turns out I was basically coercing her into doing this, even though she wasn't comfortable. Like uh, from my end, I was like, oh, like this was just fun hookup. But then from her end, this like this guy is like pushing himself on me. And it didn't sound like me it sounded like a monster but that was the hardest part was that like this this guy who forced himself onto this girl is me i think it was a combination of desperation validation wanting to finally get the girl that i've been after forever I wanted to have fun and run around and just have a bunch of sex because, like, that's what I thought college was. Now I wish I could just go back and talk to the kid and just be like, hey, dude, like, you're coming, your heart's maybe in a good place right now, but here's some things you need to know before you start engaging in sexual activities with other people that will prevent a lot of pain. You're a larger guy. You can't just go ahead and, like, ask things and then, like, expect, like, people not to be intimidated by it. Like, if it's not an enthusiastic yes, don't do it. I've made it very difficult for her 
to enjoy many parts of intimacy. I absolutely terrified her for years just by being around. She's had to think about it every single day. Um, and I'm not sure if the wounds are all the way healed. I, I doubt they are, but um, it's a pain that I can't take away no matter what I do. I, I can't take that away. And I know I've said it a thousand times, but I, I am sorry. With Onwin's help, Samir came up with a repair plan. He would write an article for the university magazine exposing what he did. He would push to make green dot training mandatory for all Greek letter organizations on campus. And one day, at one of those green dot trainings, Samir joined Onwin on stage and they shared their story together. It was pretty awkward. Yeah, you could hear a pin drop. Yeah, it was it was dead silent. Um, um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Samir, do you have other? <laughs> <laughs> um, what can I tell you about that that presentation? It actually, I do remember while I was leaving, um, a couple people were saying thank you. I don't know if you. I'm sure you got a few of those. Yeah, um, definitely. Anwen and Samir graduated in 2016, and they went their separate ways. We will occasionally, like, FaceTime and just, like, catch up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. just, like, kind of check in every once in a while. Um, I don't know. It's a fairly casual, like, conversation, relationship, word, interaction thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's also funny because one of the things I realized, actually, I think during and after the restorative justice process is that Samir is honestly one of the people that knows me best. Okay, we know each other's like deepest horrible moment, basically. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's there's not a lot that can't be said. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're pretty spot on about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't think I'll ever lose contact entirely with Samir. A very big thank you to Anwin and Samir for sharing their story. This piece was adapted from the podcast Reckonings, produced by Stephanie Lepp, and found online at www.reckonings.show. You can find the full story called A Survivor and Her Perpetrator Find Justice on our website, snapjudgment.org. The original score was by Leon Morimoto. The piece was produced by Stephanie Lepp with assistance from Nancy Lopez. <laughs>